I want to actually give Starbucks as an example <laughs> okay. of connecting it because it's a concept that even took me a while to understand. It's similar to like in sales, so many people focus on features when their yeah. clients really, when your clients really buy benefits and outcomes. So what happened with Starbucks prior to 1971 when they opened their first store in Seattle is if you wanted to meet with someone for a business meeting, either you had to have your own space or you had a lunch meeting, but those things add up, uh, especially if you don't have any office space because you might be on the road. Those lunch meetings add up a lot, uh, not just in the budget, but maybe on the pounds as well. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so what happened is that Starbucks came along and they were able to actually offer a meeting space for people that were on the go without having the cost of lunch meetings or having to rent an office space. Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast about finance, accounting, technology, and entrepreneurship. We apply our decades worth of experience and insight into what makes businesses work so we can help others grow both personally and professionally. In this ever-evolving marketplace, we help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice through the adoption of holistic wealth management services. Learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to unlock the secrets of their success. A podcast that shows people and companies the transformative power of technology so they don't fear it, but instead harness it. Don't fight the robots, team up with them. And here are your hosts, Rory Henry, Director of Business Development and CEO Rob Santos of Arrowroot Family Office. All right. Hello, everyone. We have another great guest with us today. Uh, she was a HubSpot Top 22 Business Coach in 2022. She's a keynote speaker. Uh, she is a friend of mine. She's in our mastermind group. Uh, we're here to talk about pricing and value. Uh, so without further ado, let me introduce our guest, Lauren Fogelson. Lauren, welcome to the show. Henry, uh, I'm sorry, Rory. I am so excited to be diving into our conversation today. Looking forward to it. Well, you just came from a webinar with, uh, with all your folks. So you said you put your introvert person in the corner and now the extrovert Lauren's ready for the show today. Absolutely. Let's just dive in. All right. Well, kind of give our audience a little bit about a background yourself. I know you're you're one time a sports psychologist and now you're coaching accounting professionals. Uh, so, you know, tell our audience, you know, what led you to the accounting profession? Uh, basically, as you mentioned, sports psychologist turned business coach. And what I have seen is our education uh, really gave us all the tools that we need to do what we do really, really well. But it also trains us to work as an employee for somebody else instead of a business owner or an employer. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, what I found for myself, as well as the accounting professionals that I closely work with, is there's a gap. And there's three things that we need to be able to really have a dream firm instead of a firm that sucks the life out of us. <laughs> and the very first thing is how to be able to communicate our value, whether it's what we post on our website, social media, in-person events, when someone asks you what you do so that you don't blend in, but you stand out. The second thing is how to price your services so that you're not trading dollars for hours because that's actually leaving money on the table yeah. when you do that. And number three is how to be able to enroll quality clients into working with you when you might not enjoy the sales part and you don't want to push or pressure anybody and whoever wants to give a pitch or be pitched. So those are the three things that I found I needed as well as accounting professionals is how to communicate your value, 
pricing your services. Are you an accountant looking to generate more revenue and secure your future success as automation and artificial intelligence revolutionize the accounting profession? If so, contact us at AFO Wealth Management Forward. We specialize in helping accountants and advisors just like you build a custom brand to pinpoint your optimal clientele, generate highly qualified leads through our data-driven digital marketing, and execute wealth management growth services to bring more value to your firm and your client's life. Our strategic approach to branding, marketing, and wealth management is carefully tailored to attract ideal clients, increase customer retention rates, and cultivate lasting relationships with clients across generations. Visit WealthManagementForward.com to book your free consultation to find out how you can elevate your practice. And also how to do what I call a value conversation instead of a sales pitch. Yeah. And your tagline is you you help people double their income uh, and work half the time, correct? Absolutely. <laughs> and so I'm sure thing. with you know with athletes that might have been a difficult thing because you're probably dealing with the top uh, you know one percent of athletes who are just trying to get an edge there. So it's probably hard to double their income. Uh, you know, half well, you know, the, it's not for them about the income; it's about their numbers. Yeah. So so if they can get a little bit better at that point, a fraction of a second can yes. mean huge results. Yeah, can mean a huge contract, right? Mm-hmm. Or could, I guess you could, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Which was some of your favorite athletes that you worked with? What sports? Well, I actually keep confidentiality in who I work with, okay. so I can't drop names. Okay. But I will actually say I work with a lot of golfers because as most golfers know, there's so much mindset. Yeah. However, my favorite was triathlons because it's a combination of three sports, swimming, running, yeah. cycling, and usually you hate one of them. So, <laughs> so I really like the complexity of triathlons. Huh, interesting. Interesting. I was a golfer I, I back in the day. I still golf from time to time, so I'm sure I could use some of your pointers, uh, Lauren. But let's go dive back into the, the conversation here that you talked about, the value, the pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about um, that pricing and, and moving away from that hourly rate? You know, what is What are you coaching in regards to mindset, really? Because I know it's a, a, a big shift for accountants out there to, to shift from the time-based billing to, to the value-based mm-hmm. Well, the majority, let's just go with the fact that the about 57% of accounting professionals undercharge for their services. And the reason why this happens is because when they were first going into the workforce, their income was always connected to time, whether it was an hourly mm-hmm. rate or a salary. And it reminds me of a conversation I just had yesterday with an accounting professional where right now she's bringing in 350K into her firm. She wants to go to 500, but she's maxed out. She has what I call an upper limit challenge. And so with this upper limit challenge, because she's maxed on a time, it also maxes out her earning potential. So by us going through and looking at focusing on her pricing, coming from a place of value and understanding value from the client's perspective, as well as separating things from time, she'll be able to bring in the revenues that she wants without actually needing to add any additional clients. So will all those clients convert to her new rates? Maybe not. Statistically, it ought to be about 86% or more, Mm -hmm. but um, she can go ahead and reach her revenue goal with the same amount of clients as she has because she'll be able to do a higher quality service. And when you do more quality, you can charge higher rates. Yeah, I know uh, values is sometimes uh, difficult to describe, uh, especially when it comes to pricing. Can you kind of describe that relationship uh, between value and price? 
Sure. I want to actually give Starbucks as an example <laughs> okay. of connecting it because it's a concept that even took me a while to understand. It's similar to like in sales, so many people focus on features when their clients really, when your clients really buy benefits and outcomes. So what happened with Starbucks prior to 1971 when they opened their first store in Seattle is if you wanted to meet with someone for a business meeting, either you had to have your own space or you had a lunch meeting, but those things add up, uh, especially if you don't have any office space because you might be on the road. Those lunch meetings add up a lot, uh, not just in the budget, but maybe on the pounds as well. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so what happened is that Starbucks came along and they were able to actually offer a meeting space for people that were on the go without having the cost of lunch meetings or having to rent an office space. So Starbucks actually is in the meeting space business and they happen to sell coffee too. They make it very attractive for you to camp out there, be there as long as you want. Nobody's going to bother you because they want to turn over that table. And that's why people are willing to spend $5 for a cup of coffee, where down the street, they might be able to get it for a fraction of the price. So think about that for yourself. And what is the real problem that you solve for your clients? And when you come to an hourly rate, look at the fact that your clients don't really buy time, they invest in solutions. And that was true for Starbucks as well. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. And this goes back to, I just became a behavioral finance advisor. So it goes back mm-hmm. to or communicating value, but also uncovering the values for clients. So we're not selling plans and pie charts. You know, we're, we're selling to people, you know, who have a certain purpose in life and uncovering uh, those values and having that relationship. So really uh, not selling your services or, or even some solutions, but really you know, selling that relationship and helping people get to a point, uh, a goal um, and uncovering that value of, you know, uh, if I want to retire at age 65 with a million dollars, okay, that's great. That's your goal. But you know, what do you value? You know, they want to spend time with their family many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what uh, really is their, their, that's going to get them to that goal is going, getting to that value um, and, you know, changing their behaviors to make sure that they get there. And, and I think that for anybody that is joining us today and listening, I mean, think about why you moved in the direction of having your own firm. What was it, aside from the fact that maybe you had to replace a paycheck, but what is the benefits of having a firm? Because there's so much more risk to it than being a W-2 and working in somebody else's firm. So think about what that value is for you. And that helps you actually start to tap into maybe understanding the value from your client's point of view as well. Yeah. All right. Now, I know you talk about efficient and effective here, uh, and they're often paired together. Mm -hmm. Um, How does that apply to the way that accounting professionals really price their services? Well, this is something that I really got when I first started business coaching. And a lot of times when you, like I said, uh, efficient, effective, paired together, but it's usually where efficiency is prioritized and then you hear effective. And I want to flip that. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I got that insight was when I first started moving in the direction business coaching, and I was working with a lot of service-based entrepreneurs. I had a painter as a client. He wanted his teams to be more effective when they were going out and painting houses, because if he could paint five houses a month instead of four, that would be significantly more revenue to his bottom line and his profit margin. 
So we were working on being more efficient and having more systems in place. And what happened is he had one team who was putting this in place. He was there at the end of the day when the homeowner came and the homeowner was looking at the house, looked back at him, looked at the house with this strange look on his face. And, and, and the um, painter said, what's the matter? Don't you like it? And the owner said, I loved it. But I didn't ask to have my house painted. And, <laughs> and, so, and so the painter was looking at the, their order and it was the house next door they were supposed to be painting. Yeah. So they were efficient at doing the wrong thing. And because that, that's actually true for charging an hourly rate. An hourly rate feels efficient because it's a formula. You track your hours, you multiply by your hourly rate, and bam, you come up with what your invoice ought to be. But there's a lot of problems with that. I'm not even going to go into it as far <laughs> as the headaches of invoicing and chasing money. And because of that, it's easy and it's what we're taught, but it's not the most effective way to be able to charge for your services or get paid for your work. So that is something to consider as you're pricing is you might start out with an hourly rate and then you might eventually go to a fixed rate, but really the most effective way to get paid for your services is by moving over to value pricing and value pricing is where you price the client as opposed to your time and tasks. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that moment. <laughs> and when, uh, what do you coach your clients when they have to actually ask uh, for that, that fee? I mean, it's like asking someone out or asking for a raise. Uh, can you kind of talk about you know, your coaching methodology in mm -hmm. regards to asking, asking for that fee? And, and I think that you're spot on. It's definitely an art to it. Yeah. So when it comes to the sales part, uh, which is either bringing in a new client during a free consultation or raising the rates of a current client, which is actually a lot of times harder, it's a combination of art and science. And let's just say it gets messy sometimes. <laughs> but some of the things you want to think about, whether it's a new initial client or a current client that you want to raise their fees on, is how our brains are wired as adults. And according to neuroscience, there's something called anchoring. Mm -hmm. And whatever number you throw out first, first. Whether it's actually related to your pricing, or it's just some random number like the back <laughs> of a football player's jersey, they yeah. are going to compare everything Everything's else to that them. number that you threw out. So if you give them a low number first that's below your fees, they're going to wonder why your fees are so high and you're charging them that much. And if you're giving them a higher number first, then they're going to feel like they're getting a great deal. So think about what it is you want to share before you give your fees. And you want to share the value of working with you as far as what revenues they may be working towards or how this is going to increase their profit margin. But definitely share some higher numbers and then go ahead and share your fees so they're able to actually compare what is the value of engaging your services versus what they're actually paying for your services. That makes sense. Um, and I know you wanted to touch on this because it, it, we briefly touched on mindset, but let's talk about that in buying and pricing decisions um, because uh, you know many clients, they, they want to earn more, but they're really uh, unsure where to start. So what do you recommend to start separating their fees from time uh, and transition to value pricing? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what I'm really suggesting is that 
if you are right now charging an hourly fee or a fixed fee, both of them are connected to your time course and maybe there's some profit margin. But you maybe heard about value pricing. You maybe, maybe you even dabbled in it, but you're not really sure how to do it. You haven't gotten the results you want. Well, what I'm going to give you is the exact steps. And it's similar to learning to ride a bicycle. And mm -hmm. first you have training wheels on because yeah. you would have been shaking until you get the balance thing down. And then you take the training wheels off. So these are like the training wheels. The, uh, I call it good, better, best pricing. What you want to do is you're going to have potential new clients coming to you. And you want to come up with that original fixed fee that you would be charging them. And we're going to go ahead and multiply it by 1.5. That is your new good rate. Or for people that knew good rate, and when you have three people enrolled at your new good rate, then you have evidence that clients aren't as price sensitive as you thought they were. After you enroll those three people, we jump to tier two, which is your new better rate. Once again, people will be coming to you, come up with that original fixed fee that you were going to offer. And now we're going to go ahead and multiply it by two. This means that you're now earning double what you previously would have charged no additional time spent working. Right. And you're getting better at having that enrolling conversations. What is it that are the questions that typically come up again and again? How do you let them see the value of working with you? And you're gaining more insights as to really what that needs to be for them to say yes. After you enroll three new people at your good, better price, uh, your better price, we're going to go to tier three, which is your best price. You'll go through the same thing of coming up with that original fixed fee. Now we're going to multiply it by 3x. And I'm going to let you know, this takes courage, not confidence. But the confidence comes later after you after get you're courageous. <laughs> but as a result of doing this now, you are uh, getting more confidence in yourself. You are getting a better client. You don't need as many clients in order yeah. to meet your revenue needs, which means that you can work with them more deeply and possibly have time to add an advisory services, or maybe you just get back some of your personal time. But you're now earning three times more than what you originally did because you were able to move through this good, better, best pricing model. So if that's not interest you, you want to get more than nuts and bolts of actually how to do it, I do have a free resource at businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash package. Uh, go there, put in your name, email address. Immediately, you will get all the steps to go through the good, better, best pricing to be able to double and triple your fees. I love it. I love it. And I know you talked about how uh, you know, low margin clients are not only harmful to your bank account, but to your health as well. Yes, <laughs> and, I've and I've joked on the show before with a number of guests. I, I heard Ed Kless say that, uh, you know, firms out there need to go through a conscious uncoupling. Gwyneth Paltrow had a conscious uncoupling and break up with those you know, low margin clients who, are doing, who aren't doing you well. And I always say, if you could take your top, let's say 10%, 20% clients and really focus in on their needs and their wants. And once you deliver your mm -hmm. true value to them, do value-based pricing, uh, be able to provide them with a great service. And then you can go search for more of those type of clients you would be a lot better off than, you know, spinning your wheels and in, in, in time, uh, you know, with those low margin service clients. Yeah, the way that I look at it, and um, I was just talking about this earlier today with my mastermind group of accounting professionals I coach with is that you want to lower your tolerance level. You don't want to tolerate those headache clients yeah. um, or people 
people that want champagne service at beer prices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and I've even had it where one client told me where uh, he was, so his client texted him at like eight o'clock on Sunday night. And when he didn't respond, his client then texted his wife <laughs> saying, I want your <laughs> husband to return my text. And, and, and that's when he knew that he can't continue doing that any longer. And, and Rory, I cannot make this stuff up. So <laughs> but those clients are just a headache. To I know. And we talk, I talk about all the time in this, you know, move to advisory. And I'm really, I always say that I'm in the belief in the behavior business and helping accounting professionals really change their mindset and believing they can do it. Um, and, you know, and I believe they can, I know they can, I've seen it before, you know, look at the pandemic and what happened. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, a Navy SEAL type training, <laughs> With, with these constant law changes and the, the different guidances and having to adapt. Uh, we talk about having IQ, EQ, and AQ. Uh, you know, that adversity quotient is something that is ingrained in the accounting profession. Yes. Uh, and they just need the belief that they can do it. That's why I love the stuff that you're doing, uh, uh, Lauren, with the firms that you work with. So, so do you mind if I share my formula? Um, share it. Let's go. Wanna, oh. Yes. You're going to give away the formula? I'll take it. <laughs> Okay, Rory, I'm going to share my formula. All right. So, so it's called the Raise Your Rates Formula. It's five things. It's what I do with all my clients is the very first step is high quality clients because in the beginning, you have a wide range of clients from low, low quality, yeah. high quality, accepting everybody. We'll take anybody. <laughs> and eventually you want to get to the point where you're more selective about who, who you work with. So we want to know who those high quality clients are, what they care about and what some of their personality characteristics are that make them a dream to work with. After that, it's communicate your value so that you're aware now of these high quality clients. How do you get the right words, whether it's on your website, social media, at a networking event, yeah. to be able to grab their attention? That way you stand out and differentiate instead of blend in. Is like knowing Robert Cialdini right influence, you know, pre-suasion. You know, pre Absolutely. Um, we're going to not even go there at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, and then number three is packaging and services. By taking that long laundry list of a la carte services you have on your website, we actually bundle services together into packages in order to be more solution focused for the different needs of different clients. And it also separates your fees from time. Number four is value pricing. This is where you're able to earn two to three times more as I gave you a quick insight as to how to start doing that. And then number five is what I call consultation mastery. We having that value conversation, whether it's with a new client or a current client, about the value of working with you from their point of view, not your point of view. And as a result of that, at the end of asking really great questions, yeah. they want to know how to move forward. So those are the five steps of the Raise Your Rates formula is high quality clients, communicate your value, package your services, value pricing, and consultation mastery. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I know there's, I know you talked about it because I thought saw on another podcast you had, um, where you're saying that 86 per, uh, 86 of accounting professionals earn less than a hundred k a year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's isn't that sad? Because yeah. they're probably working like two jobs, you know, the equivalent of that. I know so many accounting professionals that a six okay, the four hour work week sounds like a great concept, <laughs> but most accounting professionals just aim for the forty hour work week. 
<laughs> so they're working a lot. They work really hard. They're so dedicated to helping their clients, but their revenues don't reflect the value of what they do. And yeah. I'm on a mission to change that. Word. I love it. And let's talk about how that affects, obviously, the staffing issue that is you know hurting the profession. We can't find enough CPAs out there or people that want to come into the profession because of these issues of, of the number of hours we're working and the type of work. Uh, can you talk about you know the uh, effect this has, these low prices uh, has on the staff and you know and how it hurts can how it can hurt your retention or being able to attract new new quality talent? I, I think that what you're mentioning is that it really has this ripple effect. For, yeah. First of all, if you're going to have low prices, that means that you have a factory model business, yeah. which is more transactional than relational. relational. Because you're focusing on quota as opposed to quality, then it actually burns out your staff because you won't want to tolerate anybody, including bad behavior. Uh, and when you have clients that maybe respect you, but they don't respect your team, then it stresses out your team. And also you lose qualified team members. And I believe that your team is really your highest value. You need them and you want to actually protect them, not throw them under the bus um, so that you don't have to deal with that headache client and you're avoiding something difficult. Uh, the other part that I see is that when you have low rates, it keeps you from really being able to invest in your business, whether yeah. it's investing back in your team and that's maybe giving them yeah. better salaries or other perks. It also is going to lead to burnout because you're just doing too much and it's more than what you really have the capacity for. You never have the ability to recharge and possibly take care of yourself. Uh, and, and the, other, and the other last part will be churn rates. It, yeah. I've seen where 90% of clients consider the client relationship when looking at engaging your firm services, and they want to pay for that as well. So skipping out on that or minimizing it is actually costing you more than it helping you to move forward. Yeah, and then I, I agree. And I was listening to, I think, a, another podcast or a webinar uh, talking about how to uh, get referrals. And, you know, 97% of clients usually want to give referrals, they say. They just don't know how to. Yeah, but <laughs> if you it. want, you have cheap clients, you don't want referrals yeah, from them. Right, right, <laughs> right. So, but yeah. you, you do want referrals from sure. those high value clients. Yes. Uh, and, yes. So, you know, how do you coach your uh, firms out there on how to properly ask um, for referrals? I believe that it's really about the relationship and also that it, you have permission to ask. Yeah. Uh, so what I do, and I follow this myself also, is that I'm not just always asking, send me clients, send me clients. No, nobody wants to do that. But <laughs> if there's a moment where I was able to do something that my clients really appreciate, I don't mind asking, you know, do you know anybody else that might benefit from something like this? Yeah. And please share it. So that is the way that I would ask. And that's true for my clients as well, is that it's okay to ask, but you really want to do it on the heels of them having an exceptional experience right. for you. Yeah. The other thing to look at is that you want to actually partner with other people who 
work with the same clients as you do. Yeah. And yes. that is a great referral resource. However, when there's someone who you're going to have as a referral resource, you want to educate them about what makes a good referral as opposed to what makes a bad referral, because right. you don't want to feel obligated to accept everybody just because they're coming your way. And, and I think that they appreciate you telling them what makes a good referral so they can really support you. Yeah. It's guiding people in the right direction and letting them know, you know, what would work out. But I think it goes back to, if you are providing that value, letting them know, Hey, I intend, or I'm going to, you know, intend to provide, you know, these services for you and provide great value for, for, uh, for, for um, your business or you personally, you know, if there's anybody else out there that, uh, you know, would meet this criteria or, you know, uh, you know, is this type of business or in this type of industry, I would, I would gladly take a phone call mm -hmm. to see if we can help them out as well. Now I'm going to, just say a lot of accounting professionals, they're more introvert. They don't want yeah. to ask because it feels like bragging. A way to be able to then ask for a referral is maybe give them a resource that they can share with somebody. Yeah. And that is something to think about is maybe there's some resource that you might be able to give to your clients and they can share it with somebody that they know. And that's a way of being able to give a referral also without actually asking for one. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Any other thoughts for our audience? Anything we didn't cover here, Lauren, that you want to share? Uh, there is actually one thing I want to think about when it comes to pricing, uh, because the majority of accounting professionals feel that pricing is very static and you do it one way and one way only. But if you actually look at airlines, you can actually model how airlines price the seats of a plane. <laughs> because they're looking to get the maximum profit out of every single seat. And airlines price the seat, not the flight. So you might be sitting in the bulkhead, the very last row, in the middle of two people, and you paid more than everybody sitting on either side of you because you had urgency. You absolutely had to be on that flight where somebody else had three months advance notice and they were booking it for vacation. They, they got a great deal. Yeah. Uh, and to realize that the way that this applies to accounting professionals is tax season. If you do taxes for clients, then give them your best rate in February when you have capacity, if a new right. client is coming to you. Uh, and then if client, new clients start coming to you in March, go ahead and increase your fees by a certain percentage to be able to recognize that you don't have as much time, you're busier, and they didn't take advantage of uh, early pricing. Uh, mm -hmm. And then if you have someone coming to you in April, two weeks, a week before the tax deadline right. wants to get everything filed, then charge them a premium price and go ahead and put them on extension. And I want to just say surge pricing works for accounting professionals. Uber. And <laughs> Uber. Uh, let's look at FedEx and Amazon. Yeah, right. People overnight, pay yeah. for Prime in order to get it shipped overnight or two days without having to meet a minimum. And with FedEx, you're going to pay four times more than overnight than if you go ground. So that applies to you also. People will pay when there's more urgency or if they want something delivered pronto instead of having to wait for when you have the capacity to do it. So that's another thing to think about is surge pricing with uh, how busy you are, the busier you are. I would raise my rates. If you're not as busy, you can lower them back to what your original rates would be. 
I mean, I think Ignition or one of those tech companies need, needs to have that. If they've uploaded their documents the last minute, all of a sudden it automatically bills them. <laughs> they can automate that process. They can mm -hmm. automate the surge pricing process. So if you're listening to Ignition <laughs> or any other software providers out there, I think it's an opportunity <laughs> to help practitioners out there make more money. Absolutely. So anything else you want to pick my brain around? Uh, no, Lauren, I think this is great. I, I appreciate all your wisdom here on, on pricing and value. Uh, you are a rock star in the marketplace. If you haven't had had a conversation or haven't heard of Lauren, you know, reach out to her. She uh, has good work. We've actually worked with one of your firms uh, and we uh, open up some accounts with him. So I'm excited to, to continue the conversation and, and see what you do out the marketplace. I'm excited to, uh, to see you coach out there. Rory, I so appreciate our connection and for letting me have a conversation with you that I tend to geek out over. So thank you so much. Um, it has been delightful. And I just want to acknowledge everybody that has been listening to us. You've taken time away from your busy schedule. And I hope that you got some insight value from our conversation today. I love it. Thank you so much, Lauren. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office LLC or their parent company or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.